we are a part of that collection of two white men <laughs> doing podcasts. We're two queer white men. Does that differentiate us at all? Or does I, it? I totally helps with the topic. We're talking, talking about, about musicals. Yeah, we're talking about musical theater. <laughs> I'm Peter. And I'm Nathan. And yes, musical theater has gospel. And dancing boys. And fancy hats. So join us for the Gospel of Musical Theater wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. And so I remember saying like as a half joke, half real, I'd rather be bald and fucking than not fucking at all. And then cut to like <laughs> a year, a year or two went by and my hair was thinning more. And I was like, I don't need to fuck ever again. Give me the fucking Propecia. <laughs> Welcome back to That's a Gay Ass Podcast, the podcast where we ask, whose fault is it that you're gay? I'm Eric Williams, your host, and if you listen to last week's episode with the gorgeous Nori Reed, a few people messaged me that it was your favorite episode, and that made my fucking day, but also you heard last week that I was about to go to a taping of Watch What Happens Live, it was definitely the best one I've ever been to. It was actual Bravo podcast people that had real opinions. It wasn't like celebrities that were just like, yeah, sure, my movie. So uh, it, it was so fun. But my favorite part of the whole experience was really getting to study Andy Cohen. And he came out and he usually likes to do a Q&A. And before the show, the PA, who was so sweet, it was like her first week there. She was like, so everyone, make sure you ask a bunch of questions. So we had a lot of questions prepared. Matt really came prepared. And he answered a bunch of questions, but he could not take his eyes off the twink in the front row. If you follow me on Instagram, you saw my impression. He was like, oh, hey. Uh, whoa. Like, there he is. Um, whoa, you two together? It was like twink and some girl next to him. Yeah, what? Brother and sister? He's like, what's your relationship? Like, now we're roommates. He's like, wow, okay, cool. So it's like it was it, I mean, the thing is, he was eating it up. And luckily, we were a really good audience. We had a lot of questions prepared. And all in all, a very good experience. And maybe I'm dragging this twink because I was mad that Andy Cohen's tongue wasn't up my ass. <laughs> Jesus, I'm sorry for that visual. But my friends, this week, we have an amazing episode with Carrie O'Donnell. Speaking of Bravo, he is one of the hosts of one of the most popular Bravo podcasts. It's called Sexy Unique Podcast. Yes, a nod to Sexy Unique Restaurant, Lisa Vanderpump's monstrosity um he is not only an incredible comedian he's also a writer for billy on the street he wrote for heathers he wrote for summer camp island his twitter is one of the best out there his handle is ecario ecario e-c-a-r-e-y-o 
and uh, he's also the handle on Instagram. If you are not a Bravo girly, do not stress out. We just talk about it the first chunk, and then it's off to the races. Also, you're going to want to stick around to the end of the episode because Carrie does not say Sister Act 2 for his favorite Whoopi film. He's the first, a trailblazer, and it's a really good recommendation of a, of a Whoopi film. And last thing is that Patreon is officially launching next week. So stay tuned. Uh, As you know, I keep it real with you at all times. And look, this podcast is my biggest joy, but she's expensive. She takes time. So this is going to be the thing that enables me to continue making these gay ass episodes. Please leave a review if you had a good time. If you enjoyed, tell one friend you think that would love this episode. And my friends, uh, this is Carrie O'Donnell. I want to tell you that I was a little nervous to interview you for this because you are like my like one of my goals. Do you know what I mean? Like Carrie oh O'Donnell. God. It's like you're so fucking funny. Your Twitter is incredible. Right. Your podcast incredible. And so I like now that I'm seeing you face to face, my nerves have gone because obviously you're just because such I'm a... <laughs> just like a mess in my apartment and. I mean, you I'm really look so haggard that I thought to myself, oh, he's nothing to aspire to. Yeah. No, but actually, I'm just so happy you're here and thankfully that's... you're on That's a Gayest Podcast. Well, now I should just leave because <laughs> I'm not going to be able to add anything to that. That's um, not true. That is so not true. That was so nice. Of, yeah, I'm very, very nice of you. I'm really happy. I think you're really funny and I have seen some cool people on this podcast. So I was excited to be really? I, well, I'm glad you feel that way. And I've been so really just excited about the cool people that are doing it i mean i you are truly a big get i've got a big get for next week who (laughs) jennifer coolidge no can you imagine we talk about our vision board board. i'm you know do we well okay i do want to ask you do you believe in vision boarding do you believe in manifestation not really Okay, so do you think then why then why do good things happen just because they happen randomly or because you work hard to get them? I think both. I mean, look, I don't think there's anything wrong with like putting a goal down and being like, I would love. And listen, Jennifer Coolidge, like you, you could interview her probably. Um, I don't think there's anything wrong with like aspiring to things. Like I have goals, right. but I don't. I I feel like people are like very intense about vision boards, and like it feels very. Um, I don't know. There's something very like, I feel like an anti-vaxxer would do a vision board. <gasps> okay. Can I tell you something that I... Does that make pod- sense? It does make sense now, but it didn't make sense to me a few weeks ago. Because I actually, I got to guess on a podcast that was uh, like a Real Housewives podcast that the host was telling me that in LA, there's this like subset of people who are like yoga, like very you think they're woo woo, but it turns out they're anti-vaxxing conservative on the down low and you're, and I didn't know that existed. Oh yeah. There's like a total, it's very LA heavy, but there's a total like category of people who are so woo woo that they're conservative. Oh, like they, they like, you would think that you mistake them for being really liberal, but they actually are so out there that they veer into QAnon. (laughs) kind of conspiracy and um like new age almost is like a gateway to QAnon. i feel like in a lot of ways especially in la yeah yeah, that's listen la i've been here for four years i was in new york for five years 
there's like way more conservative people than you think in LA. Like, but you know, I think that's true about New York in a way. Like when I moved here, I was like, thank God I'm with only gay people. I cannot wait just to be bathing in a liberal soup. And then it turns out I like visited four seconds outside of New York and it was just all Trump flags and like people calling me faggot. Yeah. I mean, that's like here in like Orange County and like, but like, I'll just be like, casually driving in LA and I'll just be at a traffic light and the person in front of me has like a blue lives matter flag or like don't tread on me or some kind of like with little whistleblow or dog whistle. Sure. 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 "Mm." And it's like in Beverly Hills or something. Well, speaking of orange County and those types of people, are you happy that Kelly Dodd is off the show? Yeah. I had to stop watching that show because of her. I know it's really tough to have people that are the villain, but then when they become like bad versions of the villain, it's not fun to watch. She was, I had a moment where I was like, okay, I kind of like this girl. Like she was funny. She was like, seemed unpretentious and kind of said it and she got it. She was messy, but it was fun to watch. And then she just, I don't know what happened to her. I mean, she obviously was always like that, but like last year it was just excruciating to see her presence on social media. And then, I watched like an episode or two of OC last year, but to see them navigate COVID was too much for me. Not enjoyable. I think, I think you tweeted that. Thank God Potomac is not showing us COVID. Like them, like getting into COVID at the beginning. And it's like, truly we're, um, um, it's enough, enough. Yeah. No, Potomac just do it kind of in media res, just like already happening. I was like, thank God. Cause we don't have to explain anything. We don't have to relive the shutdown. When there's like that timestamp that says like March 13th, 2020, it's like, no, <laughs> you know, so thank God for Potomac just in general, but especially in that. general. Yes. Do you, I, you know, what's tough, though. I think speaking of villains, like, do I think that Giselle's a villain? Not exactly. I think she does sort of rile up people's feathers in that way. But I really veer close lately to loving the karen giselle feud but sometimes it's like i'm so actively always not on giselle's side that i'm like do i not like giselle it's tough i mean they're i think they have a deep love for each other which is why it's so fun to watch because they're it's like very frenemy love hate and they're like truly that show is like a love story about giselle and karen (laughs) and their their fraught relationship but yeah, they're tough. I mean, I love Giselle. I know people are divided on her, but I think she's great. I think she's funny. Karen is like, you can't not respect her or think she's so fun to watch because she's just, you know, she's camp. She's glamorous. She's very witty. And she has a lot going on under the surface. She is very witty. And I think she's also like grown with her vulnerability of knowing like, oh, it actually makes us like her more when she shows a how weird she is b how devastated she is and i think she's definitely in like god tier level of housewives i totally agree and i think um it's funny that that show has just maintained the original cast mostly and i think that's <laughs> it's like it works for them like they Truly. have such a, they have a sweet spot with these especially the four women that have been there since the start I know. I hope it never ends. I mean, I do you think in our lifetime there's going to be a day when Bravo is not going to be having any Real Housewives on the air? Maybe. It's kind of weird. I mean, I sometimes wonder watching it. I'm like, do we need Housewives anymore? Dark, Carrie. Dark questions. I mean, I love it. I I would be sad if it was over, but I'm. I wonder if it was like a 
like a burst of something in time and now it's maybe past its prime. But but then you have then we'll, things like Potomac and like this season of Beverly Hills is iconic and Salt Lake City next season is obviously going to be crazy with Jen Shaw. And like <laughs> so there's Roni I've completely checked out of, so I'm not I haven't even been watching it. It's hard to even talk about Roni because it was my number one for so long and it's just it's like watching a friend be sick. Oh my god, it is. I watched that first episode and I liked Ebony. I like Leah fine, but I the other I'm just Ramona had to go. I know. Well, even I, though it's hard because she did supply so many amazing moments in the past. We'll talk about loving to hate someone and the villain. It's like she here. I think I've talked about this on this podcast before, but I got to go to watch what happens live yesterday, actually. And um, amazing. It was so fun. Or maybe it was two days. It was two days ago, but it was like it was uh, Danny Pellegrino, the Crappens guys. It was Sasha from um, Bravo Breakdown. Um, it was by far the best episode i've seen of watch what happens live in a long time they were just so smart and funny but the reason i bring it up is because i got to go a couple years ago and ramona was the guest and she walked out to the bar area before the show which you would think oh she's here to say hi to fans or be a human being and she stood there frozen with the big eyes blinking and when people try to take pictures she just kind of like stiffly moved her body and didn't want to take the photo which obviously we've she's known for that but it was like why did you walk out here in the first place and from that moment on i was like don't meet your heroes don't meet your villains it's not it's uh, keep them on tv yeah i mean i think yeah i think a lot of i've interacted with a few reality stars and like not that's not a brag (laughs) and they're, some of them are very awkward. Well, it's also it goes to show you where like some people on social media are so larger than life or they're maybe so showing so much of their body or whatever it is. And then the second you're in a room with them, it's clearly a very well curated image that they want to project, but it might not exactly be with reality. And that's what I think is one of the most jarring things. Well, you know, it's it's especially with Housewives, like some of these people weren't meant to be stars. Mm-hmm. Like some of them are stars. Like Giselle and Karen are stars. Yeah. You know, Bethany, lover, hater, she's a star. You know, uh, Beverly Hills, you know, Kyle's, a, you know what I mean? NeNe Leakes. All these people that are, that are, you know, polarizing, but they're stars. And then you have Ramona. Yeah, she's been like, she supplied us with some great moments, some iconic lines, some like crazy, fa- you know, facial reactions. But I think... I don't know. She she's not really like a star, so I think in person she's probably kind of uncomfortable. Probably like with all the situation that she's in. I don't know. Yeah, I think so. I think she's uncomfortable and also, unfortunately, a bad person. I mean, I don't think she's right. But unfor- like I sadly I think like and obviously we'll talk about more than just me grilling you about Bravo. But like I do think that Avery's probably a good person. Hmm. Yeah. I, I, she probably is. I think she probably understands that. Her, I mean, she seems like from a very young age that she understood that her mom was like not well. Yes. But I think she's, I just don't think you can grow up in that household and be, be completely un- all right. Untarnished. Yeah. Right. Anyway. So, okay. Well, here's a question. Say kids in are a off world, limits. I was just going to say, don't talk about the kids. Don't touch the kids. If, um, let's say in a world that Mario, Ramona's ex-husband was gay and he approached you at a bar 
and he was like hey do you want to get out of here do you go with him and then what do you do if you do yeah correct no i would i would let him i'd let him go for it you know i would let him uh kind of just like (laughs) throw me around knock me around a room like in a pillowcase you know i mean he's undeniably very hot and very daddy and i mean he's clearly a bad person but he's very sexy i'm into it i choose to ignore the fact that he probably is another villain and just focus on the fact that he has a gorgeous body a handsome face and he's probably really bossy yeah i'm into it cheers to that well the only last thing i do want to get your take on with bravo before we move on is i do want to ask about erica jane do you think she's guilty what's what's happening i've been really back and forth we've talked about it on sexy unique podcasts but like i i'm kind of very 50 50 on her at first i like i watched the housewife and the hustler so obviously that like influenced my view of her knowing that it's like blood money and knowing just how devastated these victims were and it felt really wrong but then i was like but i could also see she's the third wife this guy has been this powerhouse well before she came into the picture she probably was just like oh this is just how it is like he's just getting money's just magically appearing because he's Mm -hmm. tom girardi and i don't need to ask any questions so i can see like by complicit by just not asking questions which is not the same as like her being a conspi- conspirator. Yeah. But then, but then on the other, the episode this week when she was crying and had the mascara running, that was, as my mom pointed out, she was like, I didn't, I haven't worn mascara like that since the nineties. Like she clearly <laughs> had an agenda with putting that kind of mascara on. I agree. I think it's a really good point though, that you're saying that she, by not asking questions, that could be the, the, where her guilt lives but doesn't necessarily mean that she knew as much as people think she did. Yeah. I don't think she was, I mean, I think she's a very smart woman and, but I don't think she was like stealing from the funds. I, but I, but then when she hinted that he has some kind of dementia, I was like, "Mm, this feels like she was told to say this by his team. And this makes me think that she's in cahoots with him. Like that was my, when I heard that, I was like, I heard the alarm going off. I was like, Cause that's what he's peddling is that he's taking like the Harvey Weinstein Cosby route of like, Oh, I'm like this old man who's wasting away. I can't be in jail. And she, the fact that she kind of was like, and I, uh, you know, I'm like, Tom, you can't see, I can't hear, you know? And it's like, Oh, are you being told, are you in cahoots with him now? That made me kind of think that she was, <laughs> This is so hard, Carrie. Now this is like watching another friend that you like die. Um, I just, you know, I, I find that I get very naive about some of these things, but because I've like rooted for her, I just want to believe that she is as innocent as possible. But clearly something is up. Uh, and when we, we um before Watch What Happens Live, like Andy did the whole, he, you know, anybody have any questions? And he came out and people asked pretty, you know, easy questions for him to answer one that was asked actually matt asked was um if how's vanderpump going with you know how's the shooting going and all he said all andy said was is i actually just got an email from them from the executive producer and it's in my pocket right now 
And we were like, <laughs> "Whoa!" So that could go in any direction. I'm not exactly sure what if that's positive or negative. But I wanted to ask, obviously, his feelings about Erica. But I wanted to do it in a very angled way. So I wanted to ask, "Have you watched Housewife? Uh, the you know the Housewife and the Hustler?" Like I, I want to ask him if you watched that, but I didn't get a chance to ask him. But he. He, I mean, there, ha- there, the amount of le- oh, he did say that Jen Shaw was one of the biggest shocks of the past few years of Housewives. Someone asked, like, what is one of the biggest uh, shocking moments for him? And he said, when he found out about Jen Shaw, it was like very out of the blue. That was crazy. And she's still doing her glam, and yeah, I mean, but the hearing the voicemail she left, some like one of her victims saying her name was like Sally, and she was calling from. You know, this like leaving a voicemail trying to scam, like going to the extent of leaving a voicemail to scam. I didn't hear that. Oh, I it's I think it leaked on like radar or something or TMZ, but it was like Jen cold calling people who were part of who victims that she was going to get swept up in her telemarketing scam. (sighs) And she would be like, hi, this is Sally from American, you know, Western Insurance calling you and it. You can hear Jen's voice and she's <gasps> acting. She's she's pretending to be someone else. And it it sent a chill <laughs> down my spine. I was like, this is a psychopath. So I mean, clearly a psychopath. The way that she dealt with any sort of drama on the show was like, oh, OK, now we're hitting people. Um, yeah, that is uh, not good for her legal battle. <laughs> not good at all. <laughs> Well, listen, I want to say that not only are you a host of an incredible podcast, but you're also one of the people that gave me the strength to be able to admit out loud that I take Propecia. And I want to thank you for that. (gasps) That is so... That is going to make my day. Because I am so happy to know that it had even, even one person. All you need is... There could be 100 people in the room and all you need is one person to also be on Propecia. (laughs) I have been on it for like four years or no, three years. And it's really boosted my confidence and also helped my hair. Your hair looks great. So does yours. And I, Uh, and I think, no, it does. And I think gay men are like, I mean, all men are kind of self-conscious about hair loss, but I think gay men, especially like no one wants to talk about this. Carrie, it is dark. A lot of darkness in my head. I mean, like I got, I had a haircut yesterday and I got to the point where the my girly, Adita, we love, she uses these texturizing scissors at the end of haircuts or used to where it would like look like it would take out a fair amount of the volume of hair. And at some point she would do it like all over the top of my hair, which is where I'm most insecure. And I think that it just like made my hair look thinner. And I didn't i was too afraid to speak up until the last haircut i was like hey um i think i'm just like really trying to maintain what i do have up there so if you want to just i don't know just the back or the sides of that but she was like well i was trying to blend it to make it all i was like i understand there are techniques i understand that there are reasons for these things but just for me can we not help me and like sos and she honored the cause and so that was my last haircut and then yesterday she got those texturizing scissors out again and when i tell you carrie my stomach just drops and i was watching a horror film unfold in the mirror in front of me but as she got closer up to my hair she stopped and she just kept it on the sides and i said adita you are an ally to the hair thinning crowd wow no that's true that is true allyship that's non-performative allyship with, <laughs> with 
the hair loss community, the gay hair I loss tell. community. I just like, I was just kind of like, fuck it. Like I, I wasn't, I was just, it wasn't extreme. I was just noticing like receipt recession. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to do this. And I think it's funny to talk about. And I, I like talking about it because it's in some way like an anti-anxiety medication. Because mm. like, yes, it's working and it has regenerated stimulated hair growth and like prevented hair loss in like areas that I was worried about. But it also is just like, you feel like you have a little yeah. Yeah. And the one, you know, obviously there's like side effects that everyone's afraid of. Well, I actually, well, kinda, I, 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 I almost get um, frustrated when people talk about the side effects because when I first went to a dermatologist, when I noticed like a, a, a recession as well, the dermatologist made it sound like it's very, very likely that I won't be able to get hard when I take Propecia. And so I remember saying, like, as a half joke, half real, I'd rather be bald and fucking than not fucking at all. And then cut to like <laughs> a year, a year or two went by and my hair was thinning more. And I was like, I don't need to fuck ever again. Give me the fucking Propecia. And then I took it and it has not affected me a cent. Like, I've been completely fine. And I feel like people over, they overblow that side effect. They do. I think. I mean, I'm also on Lexapro, so like I'm I'm watching like a slow like you would think that I'd be watching like a, a slow race to like which one will make me have ED, but okay. I it hasn't affected yet. So I'm glad you said that because I I have a segment on this podcast I haven't done in a while, partly out of frustration, and the segment is called Me Myself and SSRI because I'm on a new journey of getting on the anti-anxiety medication and the the update is that my psychiatrist has now for the third time upped my dosage because I don't think it's working. So I'm now on 150 milligrams of Zoloft and she's giving this as the last ditch effort until I have an appointment next week. And if it still doesn't work, then I think she's going to try Lexapro. And I said to my therapist, I was like, what if I have just unrealistic expectations of what I will feel like and I'm just always going to be kind of fucked in that part of my life? Yeah, it's like when I mean I'm sober now, but like it's it's like whenever I like would do ecstasy or something, I'd be like, "Is it working?" You know? Mm. Um, yeah, I mean Lexapro. I haven't taken anything but that. I take Boost Bar to supplement it, but I'm on daily Lexapro. I take it twice a day, like once in the morning, once in the evening, and I it's really helped me. I've been on it for a few years. It's I feel like sometimes I get glimmers. I'm like, oh, like this is what it must be like to be like a white straight man. <laughs> you know at, yes. like uh or like just like the straight a straight man's like moments of feeling ease mm-hmm. that like non that or like clamoring to get to you know what i mean absolutely it's like, oh, little it's like it's not it's not an overwhelming feeling of like i feel so great it's just like the dread is just turned down a lot that's all I want is I want the dread to be turned down enough notches that I feel like, okay, I things are a little more manageable. Yeah, it makes it, you can manage it. Like I'm always going to have, I think to be alive is to have like existential dread and like mm-hmm. anxiety, especially as like a gay man or a queer person. And I think um, you just turning it down a little, you know. Please, that's little, all I want. It's a little relief. I think that's, I think you'll you'll figure out whatever you need. And I think, just, honestly, you might have been like a Lexapro angel sent to me, and this is just a sign from the universe that um, maybe that's going to be... Because I said to my psychiatrist, I was like, 
I trust you. My gut is telling me that Zoloff ain't the thing. And she was like, well, let's go up one more time. And, and now and it, it messes up my sleep every time we go up. And so my dreams are insane. Matt told me I screamed in the middle of the night, like screamed like a full voice. Whoa. And he said and then he said a few nights ago that I was talking for a 15 second string. And he almost woke me up to give me this. What was I saying? He goes, I, I at the time I heard some words, but now I don't remember. But it was mostly unintelligible. So can you imagine you're sleeping next to someone and all of a sudden it's just like, hey, like a full scream and then just like a ma- a mangled speaking in tongue. <laughs> yeah, I'm doing full like ancient rituals. Yeah, so I, I I that I will say while sexual side effects has mostly been pretty not there, I will say that the sleeping when I up a dosage, ooh. Not good. I noticed that like when I first got on Lexapro, I would wake up at like 530 or 6 every morning and just kind yeah. of like lay there. That's exactly it. And like I would I would be able to sleep, but then I would wake up really too early, like an hour earlier, half hour earlier than I usually do. And I'm just like, oh. Yeah. What would happen to me was I would have a bit of a tough time falling asleep, but then I would wake up thinking that it was ready to be the next day and it would be 1.30 in the morning. <laughs> it would be like, oh. But that's also like that's also like the best. <laughs> like when I was, I remember I had this vivid memory of being a kid and waking up for school, taking a shower. And then my mom knocked on the door of the bathroom and she was like, Carrie, what are you doing? And I was like, Oh, I'm getting ready for school. And she's like, it's 1230 <laughs> in the morning. And I was like, Ooh, I get to go back to, you know what I mean? And then I like got back into bed. I was warm from the shower. I was like fresh. And I was just like, oh, another seven hours, you know? another seven hours yeah it felt like such a gift i mean that is a gift i i but you know i love that you really angle that as a positive because for me that brings back like terrible memories of having so much anxiety that i one time woke up because i was so nervous about something and i took my shower and it was three in the morning and i was just like not like ooh, i get to go back for another five hours but i was more like you're damaged and (laughs) no nothing or no one can help you that's a, a phenomenon that needs to be discussed more, like mistaken showers. Mistaken showers next on A&E, right after intervention. Yeah, um, yeah I, I, I do think that is uh, important to be studied. But speaking of important, we have to ask a very important question from this podcast. Carrie O'Donnell, who do you blame for making you gay? Whose fault? Oh, my gosh. Um, probably my Nana's being in her closet her like giant walk-in closet being in your nana's closet your nana was not in the closet and came out as gay. no 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 being in like in her literal like going into her closet that had like a pulley light and i went in and just smelled like old clothes and i when i was like four or five would just be in there and like you know i love that so much going like this and also um the swish the movement of a dress that i uh a dress that I used to put on at preschool and I would wear a dress every day. The movement of the made me gay. Oh yeah. That's good, Carrie. Cause I think that a lot of people, and I'm sure like the the day that I have kids, when a child is like really just like leading with their truth, it's going to be hard not to think into it too much because so many kids, I think 
kids who also are not queer also experience experiment in that way but also a lot of queer kids also really do lean into ooh, what is it like to wear a dress i would totally do the towel wrap around the, my head pretending i had a gorgeous updo i would put a blanket around oh. my tits and have a gorgeous gown i would do that too i would put a towel and i would like do the the, the arm pop and the mirror <laughs> and but I think culturally what made me gay was um, there was an episode of, <laughs> oh, two things. There was a moment in Are You Afraid of the Dark where there was this terrifying episode where at the end the girl realizes she's an alien and her people are, her like alien kind are calling to her and then her friends come into the room to save her and she turns around and her face, she has no face. <gasps> she's just like a giant like egghead and she has no face and i was like i'm gay <laughs> and then also this moment in the craft when robin tooney is balancing her pencil on her desk and nev campbell like looks over at her and she like looks at her and i was just like yes gay like, i mean it's like that it's very so it's otherworldly you know that you are a different species you know that you are not of this earth you are not of this yeah I was trying system. to think of like obvious there's obviously like sexual thing like seeing certain guys or like being triggered by like Matthew Lillard and she's all that or something <laughs> but like feeling the stirrings but I'm talking more about like on a spiritually queer level I was yes. like or in my my gay soul was when like the moments like that happened can we unpack the um faceless head of what exactly do we think spoke to you about why that was like oh I'm gay I don't know. I just think it like made me feel different. Mm. Like I was like something about this. Is, I don't know. Do you know those moments? It's like, it's almost like, it's like unspecified gayness. Yes. Uh, yeah. I've been diagnosed yeah. with un- unconscious gay callings. I feel like a hundred percent. And you know what? I don't think I've said this on this podcast that I really would do for years growing up is that I would talking about like unspecified gayness when i knew deep down from those moments that i was gay and i really did not want to be i would do every day at school like if i had like a crumpled piece of paper and i had to throw it into a trash can i would say if i can make this into that trash can then i'm not gay and then i would throw it into the trash can and if it made it i'd be like thank fucking god and if it didn't i'd be like well and there yeah. it is written in history and so i just like i like knew on that spiritual level but i was trying to do anything i can to have like the spirits come back down to earth and put the paper in the basket so that we can undo it because i didn't want to be that it's so weird the like bargains we make with ourselves when we're like, yeah. young being like if if i do this it means that i'm actually the thing i'm fearing that i am and know that i am is actually not the case definitely and it's really quite sad that those were the thoughts and i say this a lot but i just deeply hope that people who are different in any way and that it's becoming more normalized that like i mean i interviewed nori reed last week for the podcast and just talking about you know growing up we're in kentucky she's incredible so fucking funny but like i just i was just like man i it's it's so it's better now but it still has a long way to go and in trans visibility and representation and i think that you know it's just i mean there's like clearly some states like are at war with trans like again like they've declared war on trans people like certainly with like so it's it's not over by any means and it's it's disgusting and i do think that that's what is one of the most disgusting parts about it is that you think from an adult perspective 
it would be very obvious that to make a law that actively is unkind to a group of very innocent people would not not make the people especially at a child level child age feel like they're wanted or allowed to be to allow to exist and so when you're like yeah you're gonna make it so that these types of people aren't allowed to like go into the bathroom they want or play on the sports team they want it's just because of the of who they are i'm like yeah of course then they're gonna be grow up and with a very fucked up mentality of what their worth is and their value and i of course i don't we don't need to you know really no it's 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 crazy that like when we were growing up like gay was used as like stupid yeah like so that's i mean that's so it seems small but like and i used to say it too i'd be like oh that's so gay and like that's like trauma you know like that's a lot to un like to un like that sticks with our in our heads and in the back Mm -hmm. of our heads like gay means bad or stupid right and it was just so like accepted as like that that was the word to use it's like crazy and um yeah like i remember i I did a health we had to film videos for health class and i i was the director of my group and i like came up with this idea that it was it was supposed to be about like the dangers of taking pills or something and like i think it was fifth grade actually hey we had to show them to the class and we showed our video and then at the end our teacher was like does anyone have any questions for the group and this kid raised his hand and he went carrie you talk with your hands a lot and i was and everyone started laughing and i was just like i want and i was just like but those signals of like that's not okay to be like expressive you know what i mean oh my god you you just gave me a full flashback of like the 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 why are people so fucking focused on how what our hands are doing when we're you know 10 years old i was i was literally will not name the people to protect the um innocent but i when i was a kid i was asked in front of people hey eric look at your fingernails and they wanted to see if i was going to do a handout versus fingers pointed to my face and I knew what they were doing because one time I was caught doing it the other way. And and then I remember hearing, like, if you put an earring in the wrong ear, then that means you're gay. Like, I never, And when I came out, I remember I was, like, very much in, like, a social justice place of, like, making sure to right the wrongs that I had been told as a kid to my family, who, like, to their credit, are so accepting and wonderful, but needed to, like, get out of the practice of some things. And I was like, remember when you said that if you put an earring in your left ear it is right and if it's on your right ear it's wrong well wrong being gay so gay is wrong it's like we those are the things you can't say to anyone yeah and like with the hand finger thing it's like guess what bitch i do both ways like doesn't mean i'm not you know what i mean like i'm i can be gay it doesn't it's so the things that we're trained and like conditioned to be like oh god like you know it's like it's so <laughs> or like crazy. crossing your legs when you sit like that's another one I think. yeah well i do want to i do want to celebrate you and say you know speaking of it gets better i want to uh congratulate you on your engagement mazel tov carrie oh thanks thank you so much and, and you're married right i see mm-hmm. amazing yeah um i yeah we got engaged like a month ago so or a little more than a month ago it's been it was a nice surprise and oh, it was, so exciting you know, immediately just thrilled and you know i think for a while i was like i don't think i need to get married and then as soon as he asked me i was like yes i need to get married. Like, <laughs> I, I want to be married to this man 
it's you're so beautiful together and i just i really identify with that because i remember when matt and i got married and i truly said this for the years leading up i was like if i get married one day and i have to say that i have a husband out loud it feels so weird it feels almost performative i now it's me just internalized homophobia i think because the second i got married i was like no i have a fucking husband oh my husband that's my husband and i like and i got a little dragged the first few episodes of this podcast because i only would say you know my husband and it was like okay we get it you have a fucking husband but i think to my fucking defense it was more of just like i forget that people know matt or like i've heard enough of him that it's like yeah we know who he is but it also i think i had a lot of (laughs) trauma and baggage with saying the word husband because i was it was from my childhood of still being embarrassed of being gay and i had to actively actively work against it and i still in some settings i got i was in wherever state i was either in the midwest or the south or whatever and someone's like oh is this yours and i was about to say oh no it's my husband's and i almost like got nervous to say it it's like oh it's no we're um we're together no it's weird i mean yeah there's still like like there's places where like if we go like outside of la or something and like we go into somewhere and i i I, like will quietly say to simon like can we be gay here you know because it's (laughs) you know because it's not people still there's still places that are very weird about it and um yeah no i'm excited though and i he like asked my family without me knowing and some of my friends knew so it was like a a happy kind of conspiracy so i i was very overjoyed about it have you been thinking about planning a wedding like where are you at with that kind of loosely i think it'll i think we're definitely going to do it out in the desert where we got engaged um i think we we both want it to be very like just as relaxed as possible uh maybe in like a year and a half or so or two years amen but yeah it is it is like when i moved in here i i ran into one of his neighbors who's kind of like the a busybody of a build of the building and she saw us and she was like oh who what's hi like, and i was like oh i'm carrie and she went Oh, are you uh, YouTube buds? Ivey. And Simon was like, no, we're boyfriends. And she just went, oh, oh, oh okay. You know, I was just like, <laughs> we're buds. We're roommates. You two, you two buds? Yeah. You special buds? You know, I was in a scenario recently where someone referred to Matt as my friend. And I don't remember what, but that was tough. Yeah, it's like completely dismissive and yeah like we're actually so sorry to tell you legally um bound under the law of this country sorry babe your friends (laughs) well listen um we talked about are you afraid of the dark and i want to just give a throwback to that because i do think that is an inherently queer show i don't exactly know why but maybe just because like it is i think a lot of queer people like to be scared yeah i think they queer people have maybe have a one toe into dipped into the like netherworld so i think we have like somewhat of a connection to the other side in some way yes i agree i totally agree there's very much an otherworldliness and i just watched the horror movies on netflix that is um fear street did you watch those yet i started watching the first one and then it was i was kind of like i don't know about this but now i want to 
because everyone's telling me how good it is so i'm gonna yeah i mean i'm famously not a scary movie person just because i am too fragile but i watched those and i was like yeah i'm totally here for that because it's like slightly campy but also like the only parts it's fully it's disgusting carrie it's like disgusting the graphic murder is like that part i can't do i love scary movies i i prefer movies that aren't too gory like i don't like the saw movies i, I can't handle like torture no. i will torture say i like i think psychological thrillers i'm into like i and i i you know i do these videos of gay ass movies and i think that i'm realizing in this moment that's um the skeleton key with kate hudson i think that's a gay movie i don't i i remember loving it so much and it's like she's in this old house in new orleans and there's magic involved with this key and that's really all i remember but i think it's i think that's gay yeah there's a lot of kind of one-off horror movies from the 2000s that are just like inexplicable when you think about them now like kate hudson (laughs) starring in a southern horror movie like what (laughs) on what planet it's literally a mad lib but i think maybe that's why you feel some kind of queer affinity for it because it's just like okay i have another i have another one that's another mad lib that i have an affinity for is um i got to go to a screening of the movie with candace bergen jane fonda the book club mary book club and that is another mad lib movie and is it good i don't care because it is everything oh it's amazing i saw that with a writer's room that i was in we went after work one day we all went to go see book club and we were just how it was like the best (laughs) moment of my life we were just howling in the theater i mean doesn't candace bergen like get railed in that movie yeah i think so and diane keaton is like is diane keaton in it yes yes she's like she's being like elder abused by her children (laughs) like they're like psychologically like like they're not letting they have her basically on like house arrest (laughs) <laughs> Andy Garcia is like this hot ass rich guy. Yeah, you know, private pilot who also is really rich and lives in Sedona. And he's like, I just want to like, <laughs> have sex with you like in the desert and like make your life great. And she's like, awesome. And then her children are like, no, mom, you can't do that. That's so, that's bad. Who is this man? Mom, why like, would sh- you go fuck the hot rich guy when we can just abuse you at home? Yeah, we want you to be in our like, condo in scottsdale mom you can't you can't go to sedona and she's like why not you know and it's that was kind of a strange plot point it was her and wasn't one of her daughters like alicia silverstone yes you know what i i like maybe a hot take but i feel like there could have been so much more for adult alicia silverstone like from clueless to uh, one of the abusive daughters of diane keaton she I mean, she's always going to be an icon, but she, her social media presence is very strange. She's, her relationship with her son is very weird. I feel like, <laughs> like he's, her, oh, she, right. she like coddles him and I think he's homeschooled. Not that there's anything wrong with homeschooling, but she like, remember she would chew up food and like spit it into his, or like feed it into his mouth or something. And there's a recent, like her first TikTok video was like, them acting out like a romantic part of clueless but she's she was in a horror movie that i watched last year that was really good she had a really good part she's having like a quiet resurgence i think i and i fully am here to support her resurgence i hope that she gets to climb back to the top of 
the canon of amazing movies. But do you think, speaking of uh, <laughs> interesting celebrities in horror movies, Kyle Richards in Halloween... Halloween? Halloween Kills. Halloween Kills. Will she be good? Will it be good? She's going to be great. I can't wait for that movie. It looks so silly and fun and like ridiculous. Like the trailer they showed, by the way, was like the whole movie. Um, <laughs> but I love Halloween. I have such a connection to that movie because the writer of Halloween grew up in my town and named the town in Halloween after my town. It's what? Haddonfield. Well, it's I'm from Haddonfield, New Jersey, which is like the only place called Haddonfield that exists. And she... Deborah Hill grew up there, so they changed the ty- the name of the town to Haddonfield, Illinois, and that's always where Michael Myers returns to. And oh, so shit. Kyle, and they like kind of made it look like our town, even though they filmed it in WeHo um, and Pasadena. But Kyle Richards being in that is just so perfect. And I don't know; I think she's actually a good actor. I do so, too. I I've always been on Kyle's side, and I actually someone a friend that listens to the podcast was like kind of horrified that I'm a Kyle Richards stan, and I will I will why some people really find it tough to support her, and I find that it's not tough because she knows the gig. She is has a perfect, gorgeous, weed obsessed Jewish Mexican husband. Her daughters love each other so fiercely. And yeah, has she stirred up some drama for the sake of drama? Yeah, but also she's doing it to make her paycheck. And what else is going to... What, what we, we need less drama on Beverly Hills? No. No, Kyle's a pro. She's a pro. She's a Hollywood industry kid. She mm. knows what she's doing. She knows the assignment. She's delivered for 12 years now. 11 years. <laughs> and she's been part of some iconic housewives moments and i think she's great i think she's annoying sometimes but i think she's great yeah i can yeah i can totally get behind that there's a reason why she's stayed this long like she knows what she's doing and i and we get kathy because of her thank god that's the the world if the world needed one thing and it was kathy hilton um i will say that speaking of strong women i want to ask uh before we say goodbye one of our famous podcast questions if if the world is ending and you can only save one character actress carrie who would you save tilda swinton (gasps) oh my god i didn't i didn't even think of that as an option for you to say and i'm so glad you did because you were one of the two people behind not tilda swinton correct yes I want to. So, I if anyone listening has not did not follow, does not, is it still all the tweets are still up, right? Yeah, they're still up, but it, we don't do it so, anymore, really. So, go to not Tilda Swinton, and it they are before I even knew you or knew who you were. I was a huge not Tilda Swinton fan, so I want you to know that. And it's they're just the most like I don't even know how to describe it. They're just like as if Tilda Swinton is tweeting, but they are the most unhinged, otherworldly things that only Tilda Swinton could say. It was fun. I mean, it's so crazy. Like that was, we first did it in like 2012 and I feel like it wouldn't happen today. I don't think because Twitter is so different, but it was definitely like the right time. It was fun. And she, the best part about that was like a year later, we got an email from her that (gasps) she had seen the Twitter and like loved it and was like, we didn't know it was her at first because she had a, kind of a weird email and she was like, don't tell anyone about this. But like, I, 
I just want to know, like, I'm so proud to be part of this. And like, I think you guys rock. That then, makes and, my day, Carrie. That makes then, me so happy. And then she signed it. Now go eat your computer. Love it. <laughs> and uh, it was just like, so I, that was kind of every sort of the only validation me and Eli, who I did it with Eli, you needed. So that that's all you need is for Tilda Swinton from a random ass uh, email account to say, now go eat your computer. Yeah. Well, with that, I'm going to, before we sign off, I feel like there's so many rapid fire questions, but this is, I did not prep you for this, but I want to, I'm really curious what your answer is. If um, you had to choose a favorite Whoopi Goldberg film, what would it be? Karina, Karina. Carrie, no one's answered that before. Can you tell me why it's your favorite? I just watched it a lot growing up and I, it was a comforting movie to me and I just love her and Tina Mojarino together and Ray Liotta. I mean, there's other obvious ones that, what was the one where she was like the basketball coach? Oh, um, fuck. See, I, see, I have seen that one. I'm, I'm devastated to tell you that I haven't seen Karina Karina. Are you mad? Hold on. No, 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 no. Hold on. Eddie. Eddie. She, yeah. She like, she like inherits a basketball team. That was great. I, I remember seeing that with my aunt who I don't speak to anymore, but she took my sister and me to see Eddie. Well, at least she did that. But Karina Karina is great. It's sweet. What's the, um, before you explain, I actually had another, what is, um, the movie that Whoopi Goldberg is in that there's, Gerard Depardieu is a ghost or like he's like a, an imaginary friend. Oh yes. Hold on. She was, I, that was also a movie I loved. Bogus. Bogus. She like, inher- I haven't thought of that friend, movie in years. She becomes like a, the guardian of her former friend's son. Yeah. Someone famous. Who's the kid in that movie? Oh, is it Haley Joel Osment? Haley Joel Osment. It is. It's Haley Joel Osment. And they live in like Newark. Yes. Newark, Who coincidentally, I um, peed next to Haley Jalosman in college. Wow. So what's obviously, Karina Karina? I'm, I'm trying not to say sister act because it's like, obviously that's her best move, you know, her most, but like, <laughs> I'm trying to think of like a deep cut Whoopi Goldberg. I mean, I Karina think Karina is like Karina Karina. She, she becomes like a babysitter, like a nanny for helping out with this widow and his daughter. I think it's like in 1960s LA and she becomes like the mom to this daughter and it's really sweet. And then at one point she leaves and there's this running theme of Karina, 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 Whoopi Goldberg, whenever she's at a stoplight, she'll go and like blow air, air kiss or blow air. And then the stoplight changes to green. Wait, I love that. And also Joe Cusack is in it. Yes. And there's this devastating moment where she leaves for a, a while and is no longer working with the family. And the daughter, Tina Margarino, who was in a bunch of movies when we were young, is like weeping at the stoplight. And she's going <laughs> just to try to get it to turn green. And it doesn't. And it's so sad. I just got chills. I'm not just joking. I got chills. <sighs> Whoopi Goldberg, there's no end of incredible movies and incredible moments. And I'm thankful to her. And I'm really thankful to Carrie O'Donnell for coming on this gosh darn gay ass podcast thank you so much for having me what a way to start my weekend another great chat on that's a gay ass podcast i think my biggest takeaway is that tilda swinton is as weird as you think she'd be (laughs) 
Make sure you follow Carrie O'Donnell at E Carrie O E C A R E Y O and follow me at Eric Wills. If you want to keep up to date with the Patreon that launches next week, follow us on Instagram at Gay Ass Podcast. And again, send this to one friend that you think would love and give us a five star review with a little note. It really, really helps more people get eyes on this. And I want to spread the gay ass gospel. Oh, happy day. We'll see you next week for one of the most popular podcast hosts out of all podcasts. And so hit that subscribe or follow button and stay gay as hell. Bye. We are a part of that collection of two white men doing podcasts. We're two queer white men. Does that differentiate us at all? Does it? It totally helps with the topic. We're talking Talking about about musicals. Yeah, we're talking about musical theater. (laughs) I'm Peter. And I'm Nathan. And yes, musical theater has gospel. And dancing boys. And fancy hats. So join us for the gospel of musical theater wherever you get your podcasts. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit Juvederm.com.